welcome to The Entrepreneur. My name is Ian, and I'm launching a startup within a big corporate. In each episode, I'll share with you how that's going and some insights on the process. In today's episode, will I get government funding? Will the next episode be the last? And how much should an entrepreneur get paid? Let's start talking. Let's start with this week's update. You probably noticed a few different changes around here. Uh, I changed the podcast name. My entrepreneurial journey was incredibly long. So the entrepreneur. Uh, I changed the cover as well. I think it was very generic before. I just got, you know, whatever anchor had on hand. So now I created a little art. Uh, I think it looks nicer. Let me know what you think. And of course, still very early days for this podcast. So if you have any thoughts on name, cover art, whatever it is, just let me know. And I'm happy to improve based on your comments. So two updates for this week. Uh, first one, will I get government funding? Uh, just a, a hopefully a catchy way to say that I had the meeting with the government uh, entity that I was talking about last week or a couple of weeks ago. Um, this is a government agency that is focused on incentivizing entrepreneurship in the country. It was a very interesting meeting, uh, very insightful people there. Uh, they shared their thoughts, seemed to like the idea, which is very good. Having that said, they explained that usually the way they do their investments is on a portfolio basis, not on a venture basis. Meaning because they're looking at incentivizing intrapreneurship and they're looking at corporate ventures, they will not invest on my venture in specific. They would invest in my company, let's say, you know, $10 million or whatever it is. And then my company would allocate that into different ventures. So will I get government funding? Maybe indirectly, but the challenge is for them to invest in my company, they want my company to have a broad enough portfolio of ventures. And right now my company only has, let's say, maybe two to five different ideas on the pipeline. So if they increase the number, I think what the government entity said was something like 10 to 15. If they get to 10 to 15 ideas, maybe we'll, we'll get that uh, to happen. Let's see. What I told them is regardless of funding, I'd still love to get their coaching and I'd still love with, to work with them um, on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, whatever it is, just to share with them some updates, hear what they have to say. And I think ultimately that's also a good way to build a relationship. And if in the future they decide to invest uh, on ventures directly as opposed to just on portfolio, um, it could be a good way to already have the relationship ongoing. Now, on to the second question, will this episode or will next week's episode be the last? Um, again, just hopefully a catchy way to say that I'm wrapping up um, the customer discovery phase of my of my project. Um, so the way that the project works or, or the internal incubator works is you have different stages. And on Thursday, this upcoming Thursday, I will be pitching for the next stage, which is customer validation. So in that pitch, what I'll do is share with them the result of the research I've done so far, the surveys that I have, um, and I'll ask them for budget in order to run the pilot that I've been talking about so often here. Uh, let's see what happens. I, if they say no, 
I don't think that the next episode will be my last one anyways. Maybe it will be an episode about how do you pivot <laughs> and how do you adapt your idea to try again. So I don't think if they say no, unless they have a very strong reason to say no. Uh, if it's just a no, we don't like the way you have structured your plan or something like that, I'll probably just iterate a bit on it, come back with a slightly different plan and see if I can uh, take another stab at it. Now, one interesting thing that happened uh, during this this customer discovery stage is that we got the results of the survey. I think I mentioned in a previous episode some preliminary results. Um, and the final result confirmed what the preliminary results showed, which is uh, the customer that I'm looking at, the journey that they have looks like what I expected. So I expected a few different um characteristics on what they do today. So number of hours that they spent doing this, how many different distributors they're juggling, all of that was confirmed. What was interesting is if you ask them if that's a problem, they don't see it as a problem because they're used to the process as it is today. And so I think the big challenge here is this won't be a customer that's actively looking looking for a solution. And I think this... Um, Let's see how this plays out. It probably means that it will be hard to get them to try something new. But because their journey, I think, can be improved with the solution I'm bringing um, to life, hopefully, if they do try it, we can then convert them uh, and make them into a, a user of our platform. Um, having that said, I think because this survey result was a bit ambiguous, it wasn't clear cut, I ran into some interesting things this week where... I was trying to balance a bit being decisive versus being stubborn, where I had to show a lot of people this result and tell them, I believe that this is a good result. While some people were saying, if the customer is not looking for something, you shouldn't be doing this. And my answer, you know, maybe a bit on the stubborn slash arrogant side was to say, if you think about the iPhone, if early on Apple had conducted a study and asked them, all right, you have a device that acts as a camera, a device that acts as your phone, and a device that acts as an MP3 player. And then the users will say yes. And then you say you had to pay for all of these separately. Yes. And then you have to carry them around every time you want to use them. Yes. And then you have to charge all of them separately. Yes. Okay, is that a problem for you? Would you like something that puts all of them together? If users had said no, should Apple have given up on the iPhone? Right, Like I said, a bit arrogant comparing myself to Steve Jobs and the iPhone. Of course, I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying sometimes the customer tells you that they have a problem, even if they don't call it a problem. So I was trying to stay on the decisive side. I think maybe to some people it came across as me being stubborn because the customer is saying that they don't have a problem and I'm still saying that I'm going to solve it. So I, I don't know. No no. No strong comments here as to whether I was right or wrong. I think time will tell. Um, but just an interesting observation on decisiveness versus, versus stubbornness. Okay, so that was it for today, for uh, this week's update. I think I'm actually a bit long here. So let's wrap it up. For this week's reflection, I want to talk about founder compensation, uh, especially in the intrapreneur side as opposed to the normal startup side, right? I think on the startup side, it's very clear how much a founder gets paid. It's, you know, before you get funding, it's zero. It's whatever you have in your bank account. Um, and then you get funding and then you're going to 
out of that funding, you're going to get some money to pay your own salary. It's usually going to be very low. And as you get, you progress through the different rounds of funding, you might increase your salary bit by bit. Of course, the big compensation factor for founders is the equity that they have. Now, if you go to the extreme opposite end, which is a corporate job, you don't have equity, you do have a good stable salary, hopefully a good salary, but stable. Um, I think that's, that's the main value proposition of going to a corporate. Every month you're going to get that paycheck. You know how much it is. No, no scares there. It's not like a big corporate's going to run out of cash anytime soon. So that's the other side. Of course, where does the intrapreneur compensation go? My opinion is it has to be somewhere in between those two. Now, let's discuss that a bit further. This is already a topic that I think I alluded to in a previous episode, but it is something that I've been um, discussing with a lot of people recently to try to, to try to change a bit my compensation structure and haven't been successful yet, but I won't stop trying. So I just wanted to share a few thoughts on this. So first of all, everything, of course, is a balance between risk and reward. So I want to break that down into risk and reward for intrapreneurs. So let's talk about risk. Is the risk of an intrapreneur the same as of that as a startup person outside? Of course not. Someone who has a startup and is starting from scratch has a much, much higher risk than an intrapreneur. Um, higher risk of running out of cash because you have to go after your own investors. A higher risk of not getting a salary because, again, you depend on those investors to get a salary. So, of course, someone who starts their own startup uh, out in the wild, so to speak, they have a much higher risk than an intrapreneur. Now, let's compare compare the intrapreneur with a corporate employee. Does the corporate employee and the intra, do the corporate em- employees and the intrapreneurs have the same level of risk? In my opinion, no. In the opinion of the people that are running the internal incubator in my company. Yes, they think that a corporate, a normal corporate employee and an intrapreneur have the same level of risk. Now, why do I think that's not the case? In my view, first, there's a component of reputation. You're leaving the regular corporate ladder where you get promoted to whatever analyst, senior analyst, associate, senior associate, manager, senior manager, director. That's kind of my ladder being part of the strategy team. Um, you're kind of abandoning that to say, I'm going to try something completely weird. And if it doesn't work out, you're out of that ladder. Of course, you can fight to get back in, but it won't be straightforward. I think that's the smallest of risks. The real risk, which is what I'm facing today, is when you leave your team to go do that, your team is not going to hold your spot for you right? And they shouldn't. They need to have someone working there. That's why you were there in the first place. So when you leave, they will hire someone to replace you. So if your startup idea doesn't work, you can't just go back to your team because now they already have someone there. Now, my company, as I mentioned before, is a global company. And the people in this internal incubator, they're based in the US, which is where the headquarters are. And I'm based in Asia. And I think there's a big difference there. In the US, this company has thousands and thousands of of employees. And so if your idea fails, for them, it's relatively um, accepted that you'll just get a different role in a different part of the company, and that's fine. That's not the case for me here in Asia. The office, um, the country that I'm in, doesn't have 
1,000 employees. I, I think we don't even have 500 employees. It's much less than that. Which means that if this doesn't work, I'm not even sure that I have a job waiting for me after this. Of course, there are ways that they're trying to reduce my risk by saying, oh, we can just plug you into the next startup idea. But that's not... Uh, anyways, I, I think it's a bigger risk than just being a corporate employee. So from my perspective, entrepreneur, smaller risk than a startup in the wild, higher risk than a corporate employee. Now, how does that translate into the reward side, which is the compensation, right? How much should an entrepreneur get paid? In my opinion, the reward should reflect the risk, meaning in terms of fixed salary, it should be lower than a corporate employee, but higher than a startup in the wild. But of course, the flip side is in variable compensation. Think about it in, from my preference, equity, or it could be a bonus or it could be whatever it is again, should be higher than that of a corporate employee, but lower of someone in a startup. So the research I did was to figure out how much equity does a founder have according to their current situation. What I saw is as the founder progresses through seed um, A, series A, series B, series C, they progressively get more and more diluted, of course. By the time they have a major liquidity event, uh, being fully acquired by a company, IPO, whatever it is, they usually are down to, I think it was between 20 and 30% equity, right? And early on seed stage, when you're getting the least amount of salary, they can still be as high as 90% equity, if I'm not mistaken. So if you look at another model, instead of a regular founder out in the wild, and you think about someone like Rocket Internet, they have a very different model, right? Rocket Internet, they find the founder because of their career so far. They give them the idea that they're going to be working on. They give them all the funding that they need. They give them a good salary, but they still give them equity because they think that this founder needs skin in the game. Again, difficult to know exactly how much equity they give. I think it changes country to country, founder to founder. But my best guess, given what I saw uh, on the research I did is somewhere between five to 10%. So that's what I've been asking my company. I'm saying I want five to 10% equity. Uh, they, they struggled a bit to understand why I want that. They were saying, you, you don't have that risk. Uh, it's very complicated for us to do something like this. So they were struggling a bit, giving me a lot of arguments that I don't agree with. They did give me one argument that I agree with, um, which, it's about the conflict of incentives or how you can have diverging incentives. Essentially, what they were saying is the reason why we have this internal incubator is because we want to create different businesses within our company um, that match our strategy and match what we want to do long term. Not because we want to sell these for a profit, but because we want them to be part of our business. And if we give you equity, the only way you can make the big bucks out of that equity is through a liquidity event. And so what happens is you as a founder, if this business works, you'll be looking for a way to sell this off. Whereas our interest is actually to keep this within the business. And so by giving you equity, we will give you an incentive that's against what we want to do. So I, I kind of see their point. Um, I still don't think that that's a good enough reason to stop thinking about different ways to reward the entrepreneur. 
So if they don't want to give me equity because it's a conflicting incentive, which I kind of get, some other things I can think about are, can they give me stock in the parent company? Uh, can they give me bonuses that vary according to the result of what I'm doing? So in the beginning of the episode, I asked how much should an entrepreneur get paid? I don't have the answer, of course, like everything in this podcast. I just think that given the higher risk of a corporate employee, you should have a higher reward, even if that's not in fixed salary or, you know, I actually don't want it to be in fixed salary, um, but it should be some sort of variable compensation for your success. So that's it for this week's reflection. That was it for today's episode. If you have any comments, questions, or just want to reach out, I'd love to hear from you on Twitter at jintrapreneur, J as in journal, underscore intrapreneur. Take care and see you next week.